Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it? everyone and welcome to talk with francesca i'm francesca Luki, your host and i want to hear from you i want to know what you're thinking any comments questions suggestions or even a pushback is always welcome all you got to do is email me at info at talkwithfrancesca.com or go right to my website and fill out the contact form and i promise i will get right back to you all right we're going to get going because we have a lot to cover in a short period of time Everybody loves to hear about themselves. That's why there's such a thing as pop psychology. Why my mother always says to start conversations asking for life stories, because it works. And why books like Eric Vance's Suggestible You are so interesting. Eric's longtime struggle with chronic back pain inspired him to research alternative medicine from acupuncture to hypnotism to voodoo. What he learned has as much to do with human nature as with pain management. He writes on placebo and its relationship with pain and suggests provocatively that there's no difference between our physical and mental experience. It's all in our head. You know, that's funny. You know, when people say it's all in your head, it's like, well, what a place for it to be. So, but is it real? Hopefully he'll tell us because I sure don't know. Eric has written for some of the country's most prestigious publications, the New York Times, Nature, Scientific America, Harper's, and National Geographic, to name a few. He explores hypnosis, placebo, and Eric's own experience with chronic pain. He is a human scientist and cool overall guy, and there's no one we'd rather hear about than ourselves. Uh, So today, a warm welcome to you, Eric. Thanks for joining us on Talk with Francesca. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, wow, what, a, what an intro! <laughs> well, I confess, I have a I have a brilliant creative writer <laughs> who is an intern. She's she's great. Julia's unbelievable. So I I can't take the credit. Um, but first of all, would you mind defining chronic pain and how that's different from acute pain? That's a great question and um as soon as we figure that out i will let you know (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, that's actually kind of the million dollar question for uh i mean obviously we all know the difference um you know acute pain is putting your hand on the stove and 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 pulling it off real quick um you know chronic pain might be uh uh after an accident um you know you know, once the injuries have healed, the, the pain sort of hangs around or maybe mm. fibromyalgia or something like that. But what is really the difference between those two things? Uh, that is a really, really difficult question. When does acute pain from, um, you know, falling off your bike turn into chronic pain? Why? Like, why does some pain, that 10% of pain from, or accidents have chronic pain, just keeps on going? Uh, 10% of of uh, people who go into surgery have chronic pain afterwards, and we're not 100% sure why. Like, what's what makes them special? And one of the explanations might be in the brain. Now, um, 
that's and that's where things always get tricky, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've had a couple of experiences myself, twice where I've had back pain that you know I thought would never go away, and it got really, really scary. Um, you know, it's because you wonder is this ever going to go away? Fortunately, in both yeah. instances, knock on wood, I'm knocking on my head right now. It did, but it was really, really scary. And you know, you get into this pain cycle thing, and it's it can be deadly, you know, and then you get into this mental state, which is like, you freak out, like, this is going to go away, why won't this go away? And then you wake up in the morning, wondering if it's going to be there, and you kind of become like a little, you know, OCD about it, right? Yeah, yeah, when you start, I mean, and this is, this is, you know, chronic pain really changes your life in a way that a lot of other things do. I, I don't want to pretend like my chronic pain, my chronic pain is actually my core. Um, that, that I have like really strong chronic pain. It was more of a way to um, to sort of look at these questions. But there are people who are really, I don't want to put myself on the same level with people who are really struggling with this, who, you know, it changes their lives. And it does, there's this, this feeling of, is this the new me? And, and, you know, this person who's in pain, mm-hmm. is, is that who I am now? Mm-hmm. And, and this is a very, very powerful thing. Um, and uh, and, it, and it, it shouldn't be minimized. Um, what's you know, and what, what people are struggling with, what people, you know, experts in the field are struggling with is really what constitutes that. Like, you know, it can be from one injury to the next, it can be from one person to the next. I heard a great story from a pain doctor about this patient, these two patients he had. One was this really big, strong, uh, I think he was either longshoreman or something like that, uh, who, uh, like, tweaked his back a little bit uh, on the job. And, like, he was really really you know, almost crippled for for months and years mm-hmm. and then there was this little old lady who uh who was one of the patients who kind of had a little twinge when she was working in the garden and went in and got like x-rayed and like like her body was almost disintegrating like she should have been in way more pain than she was hmm. interesting um, isn't and, that uh, interesting the way people view that right or the way they feel it it's, right yeah it's their and thought it was, and our thoughts do create our reality too all, Exactly. It's very tempting for you to say, like, oh, the, the big guy's just, you know, he's just being a crybaby. But that's more and more, I think, not the case. I mean, I think we're really seeing fundamental differences, in, you know, in, in the way the brains operate and uh, and the way that and the way that your bodies operate um, that that might start to explain, you know, rather than just blaming it on the victim, uh, what's going on with people suffering from chronic pain? What's going on? Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, there are um, so my interest is in placebo, and so I should say that it's not all mental. I mean, a lot of people, you know, who who suffer from chronic pain, you know, there, there is. Uh, my my dad actually had knee surgery, um, and and one of the he had chronic pain afterwards, and he couldn't figure out if it was the knee or the brain. And, and a lot of people, it is the knee. You know, the knee is not put in right. There's a problem there, and that's why the knee hurts. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of more interested in the other side of things, for you know, the, the mechanism by which the brain can actually take over and, um, and sort of create that pain when there's no pain there. And, and the idea is that, um, you, you know, your, your brain creates these sort of patterns, these sort of connections, and, and think of them as like grooves in the road, at, and, and maybe that's caused by some sort of accident, but over time your brain just becomes accustomed to that sort of alert mode that it's in. 
that sort of, hey, watch out, there's something wrong with your knee. And that once the knee is healed, your brain continues to send out those alerts to create that sort of, that sort of, you know, that sort of red alert. And that the pain you continue to feel could actually be more in the brain than in the knee. Even though you're feeling it in the knee, it could just, there, there are these, these methods by which your, your brain simply um, continues to, uh, to, uh, to create those, those that kind of pain. And, and a lot of people have been playing around with how that might look and, and how that might be changed, how you could affect that. Right. Um, if you're just I, tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesco. I'm speaking with Eric Vance, and we are discussing his book, Suggestible You. Eric, we do need to take a short break. When we come back, listeners, sure. stay with us here. We are going to talk about placebos. Every one of us will need a lawyer at some point in our lives, and if that point has already come for you, you know you need a good one. You need a qualified one, one who will defend your interests with exceptional knowledge and dedication. Luckily, I know where to find that lawyer. Whether your case involves real estate, employment, business law, or a governmental agency, David Hadass of Drone Hit and Hadass is ready to help. With broad experience throughout the Boston area, David specializes in civil litigation and appellate law. He's been named Massachusetts Super Lawyer and Top Business Litigator for four consecutive years by Boston Magazine. David represents large and small businesses as well as individuals. Find him online at drowanhit.com for more information to get started discussing your solution today. When you need legal representation, accept nothing less than the professional expertise of David Hadass of Drowan Hit and Hadass. Do you have chronic pain, neck, shoulder, or low back stiffness, headaches? Amanda King, licensed massage therapist, can help. Located in downtown Salem, Amanda has over 13 years of experience helping people with pain, injury, and stress. She can help you feel better, move better, relax, and enjoy your life. So call today to book your appointment at 617-461-7516 or learn more at www.clearbodymind.massagetherapy.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. Or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. to talk with 
Talk with Francesca. The show is sponsored by Drow and Hit and Hadass Law Firm, located at 50 Federal Street in Boston. When you are seeking a legal counsel, call them at 617-377-4367. Welcome back, Eric. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I didn't mean to cut you off so abruptly. Um, but anyway, so um, Eric, no problem. so let's talk a little bit about, you know, it's interesting. I interviewed a guy actually a couple times in the past several years. His name is David Hanscom, and he is a back surgeon, and he has written a book called Back in Control. Very, very interesting man. And I, I have to tell you, both times I had hurt my back, um, he, you know, once I had moved and it, I think it was just, you know, wear and tear or something. Um, but he really, um, has a really different way of thinking. Uh, he thinks most people don't need back surgery, that it's more, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's in your head as we're talking about here. But so let's talk about that a little bit. What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, let me flip that on its head. Well, uh, and you know, he's not he's he's not saying like it's all in your head, like you're just crazy, but that the way the, the signals, as you're talking about, the the, sure. the pathways, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna flip that which you said Rand on its head a little bit. There, there's an interesting uh, interesting work out of uh, I think it's Wisconsin. Um, uh, oh God, I hope it's not Minnesota. I think it's Minnesota. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to Minnesotans, um, but. Uh, um, about uh, about sort of this uh, this back surgery where you, you sort of put in this cement to basically fuse a couple of sort of the, of the vertebrae together, and uh, what they found is that it's not anymore when they do that surgery and they do a sham surgery, which is sort of a fake surgery where they say they're going to do it and they don't do it. They just sort of do an injection and, and that's it. Um, and that the two are actually impossible to separate from each other. That basically both as effective as the other. Um, and so what's happening is that it's not that it's all in your head, but it's, you can't you, know, you can't separate how much of it's in your head from how much of it is actually from the treatment. In, in other words, it's you know by if this was a drug, it would not be allowed to be done. And yet a lot of people still do it because the, sur- the just the thought of the surgery itself is enough to make them feel better. And that's what kind of messes. Yeah, it is in your head, but the best way to access that is sometimes by getting a surgery, which is. Well, maybe there's other ways to act. We talk about that in a minute, but um, well, it's like when you you feel sick and you go to the doctor, right? And then as soon as you're on your way to your doctor, you start feeling better. The second you leave the doctor, it's like I feel so much better, right? right, I mean, right. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of truth in that. The, the, the one placebo that I just don't go for is homeopathic medicine. I don't care who or what or where you come from. I do not care. There's no way I'm putting a little pellet under my tongue and thinking it's going to be all better. This is not, and you know what? It's because I think that way that it doesn't work. But they, these homeopathic doctors, they swear that it's not in your head. So um, anyway, I'd be curious what your thoughts are on that. It is definitely in your head. Like there, I think there's no question at this point that, that homeopathy is, it is, it is tapping into mechanisms in your head and creating expectations that create um, that can create real outcomes in the body. So this is the thing. And for me, what I always say is homeopathy, acupuncture, all these things are fine as, as long as we're talking about chronic pain or we're talking about irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, in some cases, Parkinson's disease responds very well to these things. Um, if you're talking about um, you know cancer or some you know a lot of heart conditions, you know, that can be lethal. That mm. is not the time to play around with homeopathy. And I think that's where a lot of 
homeopathic practitioners really become really get the dark side when when you know if you if you want to treat your arthritis with homeopathy i'm all for it if you then want to say okay well now we're going to treat your tumor with homeopathy now i think you know now i think you're getting very very dangerous because there is no placebo mechanism for uh, removing a tumor there are mechanisms and there are things that we're starting to understand for why your expectation your belief can make pain go away and I'll give you a, a really great example um, uh, of a, a doctor at Walter Reed Medical um, Center who, who works with, and this is in Bethesda, Maryland, who works with uh, soldiers who come back from, from the war and, and, and they've lost limbs. Now, if you lose a limb, there's a lot of chronic pain that goes along with that. It's just, mm, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's phantom yeah. limb, which you've probably heard about. I'm sorry? Also, a lot of other pain. It's phantom limb, which you've probably heard about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's also just pain, all sorts of pain in, in, you know, in the limb that, that just is miserable. And what he started doing is basically when he administers drugs, he, um, at the same time, he uh, has the person smell something from their, from their past. Uh, oh, wow. Maybe, uh, or, or, or listen to something from their past, jazz music, or, or those, my favorite was the little Werther caramels that like your grandmother always had, you know, mm-hmm. and, and. Uh, and if, if someone had had that you know, in, in their past, he would have them eat a caramel whenever they take their drugs um, uh, or, or smelling eucalyptus, a- anything like that. And what it does is over time, he, he, he pulls back on the medicine but keeps the stimulus, the, 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 the smell, the sound, uh, the taste, keeps that going and basically tells your brain to release the drugs that you were taking on its own because your brain has those drugs on it. And in fact, there's a theory that um, chronic pain is, in many cases, just your brain being lazy and not releasing the drugs it's supposed to release in order to cover up your pain. Now, that's, that's, that's controversial, but I think it's really interesting to think of pain not as something that's happening, but something your brain isn't doing. You know, like it's, it's falling down on the job a little bit. And what what's, um, uh, Dr. Fitz was, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, um, this, this, this scientist is doing is um, uh, Spivak is his name uh, is doing is uh, um, is basically getting your brain to get back on on the job, getting it to do to, mm-hmm. to cover up the pain the way it's supposed to, and uh, and there's a lot of ways to say and, and that's a lot. I, I my sense is I think we're coming to understand that that's the same mechanism that we're seeing in homeopathy. It's getting your brain to step up and take care of some of these things on its own. But your brain can't remove a tumor. Your brain can, can get rid of pain. It can, it can get rid of irritable bowel syndrome. But it, there's some things it can't do. And that's where it gets really interesting. There, there are rules. And it's not just your brain can do whatever it wants in your body. Mm-hmm. There are certain things it has power over and certain things it doesn't. So say I want to create the perfect placebo treatment. What would that be? Well... <laughs> um, you're trying to get you're trying to get rich off this. <laughs> reading about this tomorrow. <laughs> What's funny is I was actually trying to do this in the book. I was trying to create the perfect placebo, and every time I tried to come up with the craziest, wildest, like cat urine, like anything I could think of, it was already out there. Like someone had already done it. Um, there's so many. <laughs> Bizarre sort of treatment. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's so funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesco. I'm speaking with Eric Vance. He has written a book, Suggestible You. We do need to take another short break. Listeners, don't jump on that plane. We will be right back. Are you looking for a professional photographer? Headshots get you noticed. A headshot is your first impression to the world, whether in print or online. Kevin Ty of Three Circle Studios specializes in professional headshots for the Greater Boston entrepreneur, academic, and creative. He does this by drawing out a depth of subtle expressions of warmth, confidence, intelligence, and leadership. What do you want your first impression to say about you? Let Three Circle Studio help you get noticed. Call today, 617-875-2282. Every one of us will need a lawyer at some point in our lives, and if that point has already come for you, you know you need a good one. You need a qualified one, one who will defend your interests with exceptional knowledge and dedication. Luckily, I know where to find that lawyer. Whether your case involves real estate, employment, business law, or a governmental agency, David Hadass of Drone and Hit and Hadass is ready to help. With broad experience throughout the Boston area, David specializes in civil litigation and appellate law. He's been named Massachusetts Super Lawyer and Top Business Litigator for four consecutive years by Boston Magazine. David represents large and small businesses as well as individuals. Find him online at Drone hit.com for more information to get started discussing your solution today. When you need legal representation, accept nothing less than the professional expertise of David Hadass of Drone Hit and Hadass. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Right, we are back, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you very much. All right, so so is acupuncture also a placebo? Sure. Um, well, you know, you asked me before the break uh, what the perfect placebo would be, and um, I, I think it's you know, there's placebos in everything. First of all, there are placebo effects in um, you know in Tylenol in any drug you take in anything you do there will be placebo effects mixing in they, they, you can't get rid of them they're always going to be there and sometimes you know you'll notice on on uh, on on commercials for drugs you know companies are trying to take advantage of that they're trying to paint a picture that will create a lot of expectation but yeah at this point I think um, acupuncture is a placebo and, and definitely 
relies as much on the placebo effect as it does on anything else. You really can't separate them. It's more, it's, it's a caring, it's a very caring practice, though. Um, you, you know, I've had acupuncture whenever I've, you know, felt stuck by mainstream medicine not doing what I would like it to do. And I find that that, that caring, um, you know, just really compassionate nature, that in and of itself, yeah. Although, let me tell you one thing that has really helped me when I've gotten into a situation where I'm feeling pain is knowing that life continues to move and that nothing stays the same and that it has to eventually pass. And that's been my greatest placebo, you know, just knowing that it's it's a crazy little thing. But I remember an acupuncturist saying that to me once. I was like, is this ever going to go away? And he, that's what he said to me. He says, life always keeps moving and just really gentle. And you know what? Nothing ever stays the same. And and so whenever I'm in a situation like that, I remember, like, this can't be like this forever. And that has been my placebo. Well, it's, it's really smart. I mean, you talked about the perfect placebo. I mean, that would be necessary for the perfect placebo to address anxiety and depression. I think that even the best pain experts today can't truly separate anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. Mm -hmm. They're so interlinked. And and sometimes one causes the other, and sometimes the other causes the first. You know, like it's, it, it, and I've talked to a lot of patients who um, say, yeah, I've got this chronic pain, but it's really about my anxiety. That's mm -hmm. really. Oh, well, yeah. Really I mean, that can freeze you right up. I mean, that can cause, you know, you get pain, then you get tense about your pain, and then you get more tense, and the next thing you know, your, your whole body is kind of, frozen but okay so let's just get back to the perfect placebo so what would that is there such an animal well there are, there are a lot of them i mean a, a lot i mean first of all the perfect placebo is probably going to be the for the individual and, and you can see people you know selling these things sort of testing out ways to sort of gets you interested and like one might be sort of ancient mysticism this is something you see a lot with like you know if if this product that i've got this thing that i've got you know goes back for thousands of years well that starts creating an expectation well if it's worked for thousands of people for thousands of years it's got to work for me mm. other times it's like cutting edge technology so i i and i i think one of the <laughs> one of the best placebos i've seen that ended up actually they got sued by the uh by the ftc um, for a very good reason, it was these bands that went around your, your, your wrist and they harnessed space age technology and <laughs> Chinese mysticism at the same time. The chi and this like very sciencey sounding thing. The guy was like covering both his faces with mm. this. Uh, and then the other thing that's really useful is get a bunch of other people involved. Um, groups, uh, social interaction, peer pressure heightens the placebo effect. And we now actually understand the chemicals involved in this. Um, and one of them is oxytocin. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Vasopressin. These are sort of these uh, chemicals that are involved with social interaction that also happen to boost the placebo effect. So if you just give someone, if you give a, a man oxytocin or a woman vasopressin and, and have them experience an ex a placebo effect, that placebo effect will be larger. Just by giving them that you know, by injecting it into them. And that is it. Those are chemicals that are naturally produced and we're around other people. So, uh, so it's, it's, you know, if you want to create a really powerful placebo, get other people involved. And then you'll see this in a lot of contexts where, you know, groups get together and they, you know, and they lift each other up and, and you know, uh, and, you know, 
in 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 my my background was in in, in a, a faith healing community, and, and you see this, you know, with religious ceremonies, people get together and they build each other up, and that can make a lot of that can engage a lot of placebo mechanisms. Right. And you start you start you know if you want to create a perfect placebo, you know, tap into some sort of story, ancient mysticism or cutting edge technology, get a bunch of people together, and um, and then uh, and then you have to know what you're aiming at as well. And, and I said it before, um, you know, conditions like, uh, like stomach issues, like, you know, irritable bowel or, or even to some extent Crohn's disease. A lot of these things are very placebo, um, vulnerable to placebo effects, let's say. Wow. Uh, chronic pain, anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some autoimmune diseases that seem to be very responsive to placebos. Uh, but then you look at something like uh, OCD, or um, uh, Alzheimer's disease uh, or cancer. These things don't respond well to placebo. Oh, so yeah, if you're going to create the perfect placebo, placebo, don't, yeah. don't try to treat Alzheimer's disease because it's not going to work as well. So, Eric, have you found effective pain relief through mainstream medicine, or do you feel that the alternative methods are superior? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think that um, we, the mainstream medicine does an amazing, amazing job. And, and, and let's not forget, we're talking about pain relief. The mainstream medicine also has to contend with the placebo effect. One of the biggest barriers to creating new drugs is a really high placebo response in, in the patients. And so if you, you know, if you're, maybe if you're doing a, a drug for one kind of condition, you might see a, a placebo response of 20 or 30%. If you're looking at chronic pain, it could be up to 40 or 50%. Now, how do you... How do you beat 40 or 50 percent placebo response? You got to you got to give them credit. They got the hard road to create new pain drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're also seeing. So I, my quick answer would be a mixing and a matching. I think the yeah. smartest doctors are yeah. are trying to engage both. Well, I think the smartest doctors would just have a little bit more compassion. And I think if there was time with the, well, of course, with insurance, I mean, you know, they, everybody gets all of what, five, 10 minutes, you know, but I mean, and and so it's no, not the doctor's fault, but you know, if the doctor could, you know, like in the old days actually spend some time with the patient, um, you know, I think it would make a world of difference. I know my primary care doctor is absolutely just the best. I remember a guy had put together my web design um, years ago and had told me about his doctor. And he said he was just an amazing guy. And, and I needed a new primary care. So I, I looked this doctor up, made an appointment. I was floored. I had a physical. It was an hour. An hour physical. I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, he, wow. he checked me. And then he sat with me and he wanted to know what I eat, yeah. what I do socially, um, what I do for fun, what I do, um, you know, exercise-wise. Uh, I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing man. And I have always found that any time that, you know, I don't feel up to snuff, if I start to feel like a reason to go to a doctor, I'm telling you what, this guy, just knowing this guy is like, you're yeah. going to be okay, you know, because my anxiety will kind of kick in, like, oh, what's going on with me? And um, and it just it, it does make all the difference in the world. But I think whether you have a quote unquote anxiety condition um, or, or you get a little anxious, I think just I think it's natural for us to get a little anxious when we're not feeling up to snuff. And and I think that it's just like, you know, community. It's just like connection. I mean, that is mm-hmm. what makes us happy in life, really, is our connections. Right. 
I mean, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It it sounds like your doctor. I mean, you know, your doctor pretty much answered that question for me. I think I think the best scientists are finding that 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 is a huge part of it. And, And and also we have to separate. We have this idea that there's a brain and a body, and there isn't. These things are, are, are really one. And so mm-hmm. anxiety, is, you know, if you have a disease, if you're having a problem and it is related to anxiety, it is in your body. Like we are finding out more and more that, you know, it's not just in your head, oh, just, you know, get over it. Like these things can, can you know, filter, filter into your body and then they, they are your body. It's just as much as if you got hit by a car. Like, you know, if someone, someone's chronic pain is related to anxiety, and someone else's is related to getting hit by a car, and they're both in a tremendous amount of pain. Well, they're both in about a tremendous amount of pain, and and it's not like you know, it's not like we should not pay attention to one and the other. And and and, and if, if doctors are listening or patients are listening, like time with um, uh, with a, a, a caregiver is such a huge part of it. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. Really getting to know. And, and we can't really do that, but you, which, which is, you know, and, and all in all circumstances, but what you see when you go to a homeopath is they spend a lot of time with you. Yes. such a powerful, so if you could combine placebo and medicine, I mean, one of the great ways to do that is with a really good doctor, a good bedside man. Like that is so yeah. powerful. And you, and you see this, uh, one of the best doctors that I, I got to know in Stanford is named Sean Mackey and he does, you know, works on pain and he's so tired of just losing this battle against chronic pain. You know, he says he's lucky to help 40% of his patients. And, you know, he said, if I was a baseball player, I'd be making millions, but as a doctor, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, 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 what he's realized is that, you know, we just don't know enough. And so you have to grab whatever, you can. And one of the things he actually told me was if, if this patient is a lapsed Catholic, you know, he gets to know them so well. He says, you know, why don't you try going back to church? And it's not because God will heal you. It's because you start creating this expectation of sort of everything's okay. This will be okay. Um, you know, creating some control in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling of control in your life can be very helpful. And a lot of you know, a lot of people, you can't fight the way you were raised, and why not embrace it and see if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to his treatment, try to get some control over, over life. And I was shocked when he said that, but it makes a lot of sense. Right. So to get into slightly more controversial territory, you mentioned that why what many people call miracles are really placebos, right? So can you elaborate on this and on your understanding of faith? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anger a lot of people with it. No, uh, you know, I, I feel comfortable talking about this. I was actually raised in a faith healing community. Uh, I, I understand. I've, yeah. You know, I've had healings myself. Yep. I didn't go to a doctor until I was 18 years old. Right. Um, and I don't mean to minimize that. But the fact is that um, when, you look at, when you look at miracles, a lot of them tend to be focused on, you know, things like chronic pain, things like uh, pain, you know, generally. Uh, and... I mean, I, I, there was someone in my church who, who had this tremendous healing uh, from shin splints. Now, um, you know, if you if you, if you take a step back, if, you, if this was not a, a fair situation but a drug, you would have to say, well, you know, that could be a placebo effect. So I don't think there's any way. I, I have looked hard, long and hard for miracles um, while I was writing my book, and, and I really never found one that I couldn't separate from either a placebo effect or some other measurable phenomenon. That's not to say they're not out there. I'm sure right. they are. Right. But if, yeah. I didn't find them. So many of them 
seemed to be tied to this. And I, and I actually walked with Pilgrim uh, and pilgrimages in Europe and, and traveled through parts of, uh, of Italy, uh, Germany and Italy, looking for different um, faith traditions and how people experience healings. <laughs> and, um, and what you see is a lot of themes. Mm-hmm. Right. Up again and again. You also see in homeopathy. You also see in acupuncture. You see it in traditional Chinese medicine uh, of other forms. And these are these are tied to expectations. Oh, it's this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> it almost makes you feel like, geez, you know, it's like because these things they 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 matter. You know, faith matters, and and uh, you know, it can make a, a huge difference. I know one of my neighbors is very, very, very. Um, religious woman and she developed cancer and and uh, it was a late stage and you know she's a very um you know involved in her church and prayer and um and it went away completely and um and the doctors were so fascinated she tells me that um apparently he called in a couple of other doctors and wanted to know like how could this possibly have healed and this cancer have healed in this late stage. And she said, prayer. And one doctor kind of chuckled a little bit. And, and her answer was, well, how do you explain it, doctor? You know, so um, it was very interesting. Um, anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Eric Vance about um, chronic pain and placebo. We do need to take another short break. When we come back, more to come. Stay with us here. Every one of us will need a lawyer at some point in our lives, and if that point has already come for you, you know you need a good one. You need a qualified one, one who will defend your interests with exceptional knowledge and dedication. Luckily, I know where to find that lawyer. Whether your case involves real estate, employment, business law, or a governmental agency, David Hadass of Drowan Hit and Hadass is ready to help. With broad experience throughout the Boston area, David specializes in civil litigation and appellate law. He's been named Massachusetts Super Lawyer and Top Business Litigator for four consecutive years by Boston Magazine. David represents large and small businesses as well as individuals. Find him online at drowanhit.com for more information to get started discussing your solution today. When you need legal representation, accept nothing less than the professional expertise of David Hadass of Drowan Hit and Hadass. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. 
Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. Or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com. We are back. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. Welcome back, Eric Vance, author of Suggestible. You appreciate you being with us here today. I appreciate you having me. I, I'm, I, uh, I feel like I've, I've made you sad. So uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I actually had an interesting story that I told to a friend just this morning. Um Many years ago, and I have a Catholic upbringing, and, um, but many, many years ago, and I had this fabulous job, and you know, I, was a, I was a youngish girl, you know, I was in my uh, 20s, but I mean, I was really doing super, super well, and I bought myself one of those diamond tennis bracelets, and you know, and it cost a good deal of money, and it was just, it was, I was so proud of it, it was like my success, you know, I was wearing my success on my arm, and, and wore it for many years, and one day, coming back from work and I got into the house and I got undressed. I worked till eight o'clock at night and get it into my robe. And I realized that my bracelet is gone. And I just panicked. It's like, where could my bracelet have gone? And I, and I ran outside. I was living in a, a condo at the time and ran down the hall as fast as I could. I went to go back to my car, see if it was in, it had fallen off my wrist or whatever. And my neighbor said to me, what, what's the matter? I said, Oh, I just lost my bracelet. And she said, Ask St. Anthony. <laughs> so, so anyway, St. Anthony, yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah. right? St. Anthony <laughs> finds <laughs> things, right? So anyway, um, I'm like, St. Anthony, St. Anthony, help me find my bracelet. And sure enough, one of the, the links had broken off on the bracelet and had fallen into the car seat. Well, that was it. You know, that was the, you know, never again was I ever going anywhere with that. If I lost anything ever, I was, I was going to St. Anthony. And that hasn't changed you know, 30 years later, you know, I can't find something. I- I'm hanging on. St. Anthony, please find it for me. St. Anthony, where are my keys? Right? Oh, man. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to take away St. Anthony from it, but you know that uh, St. Anthony is not the, the, the finder of lost things in Italy, you know, where, and, and, and pa- I think it's Padua. We went to, I went to St. Anthony's Cathedral, and he's not, they, they're not crazy about him being associated with finding lost things. They actually associate him more with healing. Oh. In Italy, where he where he's from, he's more about healing than finding your keys or your or your bracelet. So who who's the uh, saint of finding uh, things? Who's the saint that finds things? In in Italy, I don't think they have one. St. <laughs> Anthony's a really big deal. Yeah, they, you know, I talked to people. I was like, oh, he finds lots of things, and they were not these monks. I was talking to, they were not amused um, by uh, they. I don't know the monks. They were uh, they were, uh, oh boy, gosh, um, friars. Um, oh and, well, it uh, is too bad. It is it is too bad that all these placebos are just pl- placebos. Is, is what I'm hearing you say because, um, you know, I I think that we do. Um, oh, you know something, it reminds me. 
many years ago. Uh, Irving Kirsch was on 60 Minutes. And um, yeah. do you know Irving Kirsch? Do you know who he I is? I do know him. He was one of the oh. inspirations for my book. Okay, great. So anyway, okay, so Irving Kirsch, for our listeners who don't know him, probably wouldn't, I don't know. Um, but anyway, he talked about how antidepressants, SSRIs were mainly placebo, unless it was a really serious um, depression issue, is what I remember. It's been, again, a long... Even, even now, now he would probably say now that even then, it's still placebo. He's He's, he's very hard on SSRIs. Okay, now. so I don't, you know, I don't, I yeah, mean, but we're talking days. like at the beginning of my radio career, um, or, sure. you know, many years ago anyway, and, um, you know, it was a big hoot for me to get this this guy who had been on 60 Minutes to be on my show, but he, you know, swears from what I can remember, and we'll have to go back and listen to the show somewhere in the archives, but I, I believe his, his claim to fame is that um, all these antidepressants don't work at all so that but well actually I take that back they do work but they work because they're placebo so i'd love eric vance author of suggestible you to tell me why you you agree or disagree i mean i think that the more accurate way to say it is they, they don't outperform placebos and if something like let's say a placebo effect is 50 you know is is 50 percent you know 50 percent people are responding to placebo and the drug is 49 percent well the 48% of those people are responding to the drug. It's still not as much as a placebo. So you have to, it either, it's either better or not at all. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, they, if you can't eat a placebo, you are kind of by definition a placebo. Um, <laughs> and that's, it's crazy. And what's amazing is this is not a very old, it's not a very old uh, notion. This goes back to basically the early 60s is when, is when people started using placebo controlled trials see if medicine was 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 uh worked and what they found is once they made that rule they went back and checked all the drugs they were they, they've been using for you know decades or even hundreds of years and a thousand drugs had to be taken off the list of of, of usable drugs because they couldn't outperform the placebo effect um and i think ssris uh, they benefit from, I mean, I think the evidence we've seen is that they benefit from placebos far more than we think they do, than the average person thinks they do. And a lot of people say that if Prozac was to be tested, you just have to clear that placebo, you know, hurdle once, well, three times, but just, you know, one point. You have to have three examples. And then you're, then you're, you're, you're free and clear forever. But mm -hmm. if that was done today, mm -hmm. Prozac would probably not have cleared the placebo hurdle and it probably wouldn't be a drug today because <laughs> the placebo effect seems to be going up <laughs> oh my so tell us your wildest crazy. so tell us your wildest story about hypnosis and pain um if it doesn't involve being cursed by a witch doctor <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got a lot there's a lot of stuff in this book I, I, your readers uh, your listeners definitely have to check out some of it. i've got a lot of bizarre stories that I, I put myself through in in the course of doing this um and I heard some things like when you start getting in this world, you, you know, you can leave aside all of your you know, paranormal, everything. And just with what science is showing, you know, very conservative science is showing, it will blow your mind. Um, and one of the things that blew my mind, I was talking to a, hypnot a hypnosis researcher at the University of Washington. And, and hypnosis is, you know, gets crapped on kind of a lot by a lot of people and it's kind of this thing you do up on stage and it's this silly sort of it's gotten a bad reputation it's a long history you read about my book about the history of how hypnosis became to a lot of people mm -hmm. but there is 
a phenomena that you can measure and you can study, and there are a few brave scientists who are willing to dig into it without, you know, fear that they're going to be laughed at. And um, uh, and the scientists, there's a, a team of them up at the University of Washington, and they were, you know, uh, um, they were working on, uh, they were working, one of them was working in this, in this burn unit, and, uh, you know, he's always sort of struggling with, um, with uh, you know whether or not he should give this whole thing up and study you know study something else and, and he's working with his burn patient. The burn patient basically said, um, you know, he said, listen, you know, he's in so much pain that they couldn't clean out his wounds. Okay, so they they were unable to to even take off his bandages. He wouldn't let them. He was just in so much pain. And he, this guy was basically being drugged up, you know, left and right. And and we think of morphine as being like, you know, it can make any pain go away, but it no drug can make any you know it all works all the time some people just don't respond to morphine and this guy they were just jacking up all kinds of drugs was not working and so he, the, the the scientist um dr patterson came in and said look uh i i'd like to try hypnosis and he says we well, can try but you know it won't work yeah. i can't be hypnotized well yeah. let me try uh what i want you to do is i want you to relax try to relax and he said no no uh, i'm not gonna relax start getting really tense he said okay Try to get tense. I want you to get really tense. He says, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get relaxed. So finally he starts to relax a little bit. It turns out this guy, just by luck, was very suggestible. He was very uh, hypnotizable, mm-hmm. which not everyone is. And, and it's kind of luck of the draw. He happened to be. So he hypnotized him very easily. And he wasn't asleep. He was awake. But he took away – he basically hypnotized him to lose his pain. And they were able to take off his bandages and scrub out his burns. Now, I don't know if anything about burns, but these things, <sighs> these full-body burns are insanely painful. Oh, my god! And they were able to scrub them out. Wow. And he felt nothing. And he was, he was perfectly lucid, but he couldn't feel any pain. Now, I don't care who you are. This is something that needs to be studied. This is something we dig into and understand what the heck was going on with this guy. Because it, it, it was – you're talking about miracles. Like, it's insane. Uh, and, 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 of course, Dr. Patterson there, once again, like, dove back into this research because it's just so, you know, this happens to him. Whenever he thinks that, he, you know, he's wasting his time, he sees this happen and he says, like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Uh, and it is something we need to understand more about because this is just – all he's doing is talking. He's not, you know, he's not injecting anything. He's just talking. And he's able to create these responses in the brain. It's, it, it blows your mind. It is. That is a mind blower. Eric, is there any question that I haven't asked you? Oh, so many. <laughs> once, this is a rabbit hole that once you go down, yeah. you just you keep, you keep, keep turning and turning. I mean, we didn't even get into the subject of memory. I mean, there, in the book, I talk a lot about how memory influences experiences and how you can sort of be suggestible with your memories as well. There's a lot of athletics, there's sex, uh, or the wine that you drink, all of these things can be affected by your expectations and by beliefs. Well, tell us more. Uh, oh, goodness. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, athletics, there was a great story I heard about um, where you can, you, know, you can make people you know, faster and stronger and, and, and all kinds of things with, um, with uh, placebos. You give them fake drugs. And in fact, some of the illegal uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, performance enhancers in the Olympics Mm-hmm. have not outperformed placebos. So now you have something that is illegal to use but may not be anything huh. but a placebo. So <laughs> right? kidding, huh? It's, it's kind of nuts. Like, not all of them work. But, you know, if they work, then they're illegal. You know, like, you don't want to take that chance, they're illegal. We don't know that they actually aren't just a placebo effect. 
because the placebo effect can make you run faster. A lot of studies have you, you, you give people fake injections or fake pills, telling them they're steroids, and people perform almost as if they're on steroids, at least in the short term, you know, for a few months. Well, yeah, I mean, and, how about like uh, a, a adrenaline? How about when we're going, 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 and we're just, and you know, we're exhausted, but we have to keep going? Or how about someone who can lift a car off a kid? I mean, right? That's all in the mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, like, well, unfortunately, you can't test for a car lifting thing in a laboratory because <laughs> you have to put a gun in someone's head. But, like, yeah. uh, but things are really hard to, but, you know, and also there's not a lot of research going into that particular area, but the, the, you know, the few people who are doing it have to get a little creative. And uh, and um, there's uh, there's a guy Chris Beatty out of out of Britain who's doing a lot of this kind of stuff and he's he's very interested. He basically thinks that the you know that he looks at like cyclists a lot, these people who are really pushing their body to the very very edge of what they can do. Mm-hmm. So there's you know there's there's you know there's what you can perform, and then there's like the point at which your body will just give out. And somewhere in between there is the land of performance enhancing drugs and placebos. And he thinks that, you know, when when you start taking out placebos and anxiety and all those other different things, you can pretty much cancel out a performance enhancing drug by just having a lot of confidence and lying to yourself. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you can do and he's got some great stories in that area. Uh, well, Eric, I'd love to keep our conversation going. Unfortunately we have to stop, but I thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. All right, you take care. Uh, you too. Okay. All right. It's time to wrap things up and say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Uh, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week. Don't try.